As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football Show, Europe. Today, Mourinho, more out, yo. We talk the decline and fall of Jose's Roman Empire. Also, Spain, Real's Desert Storm and Basque teams back. All right. Also back, Bundesliga, Jaden Sancho and Liga with that super tight title race. So much in store in this Totally Football Show. Listen, it's uh, Tuesday, 16th of January, a day that will forever be etched in history for reasons that we'll be getting into ever so soon here in the studio. Hello, Alvaro. Hola, James. week for you. It could be a, a day etched in history for you, Alvaro Romeo. Oh, yeah, the 17th of January. Oh, it's tomorrow, be, yeah. yeah. So, uh, another, yeah. Uh, another Romeo A little way. Romeo. A little Woo! Romeo. As oh. if there weren't enough. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Would that be an alpha, half a Romeo? What? <laughs> 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 You've done that one already. Are we doing that? I can't remember. Yeah, wait. I can't remember. Same thing. We did that already. I'm sorry. That's all right. Now we've got new listeners since then. You know the amount of people who ask me, literally for real, is your second surname Juliet? And I am like. Why should that be? Why should that be? Yeah. yeah. But seriously, uh, Alpha yeah. as a first yeah. name would be great. No? <laughs> All your be son, Alpha, Alpha me, and Beta. You're, you're giving me ideas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Raphael Honigstein's also here. Hey, Raph, aren't you? Hello, James. There you go. And back from uh, Marbella, you Marbella. were last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Jules is here. Bonjour. Bonjour to you, Jules. Who's not here? James Horncastle. That's oh. who. It's all right. It's not much to talk about. No, exactly. Not much to we talk don't about need from him. Italy. We don't need him. No. Yes, of course. Uh, this Tuesday morning, news coming uh, of uh, Roma firing Jose Mourinho, a.k.a. the special once. Uh, we will be hearing nice. from uh, James Horncastle later on when he gets to his VIP airport departure lounge because he's, he's also leaving Italy this morning. He was over in Milan to see Christian Pulisic right. and he caught... And he saw, obviously, Roma's... Mourinho's last game. Well, what would have been his last yeah, game he if he hadn't there. been suspended yeah. as usual? Again. Yeah. <laughs> but then he can go fly back to Rome for a yes. special... Indeed. Sort of Maybe that's where he's going to fly. We'll, we'll ask him later on. Right now, though, Rafa, I want to know your moment of the week. Well, James... Um... <laughs> 
There are many. Did I come to you too early on? No, 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 no not at all. James, no, not so, could be a bit of football, could be a restaurant, whatever you want. There were quite a few big moments in German football um, because it was the first week back. But I think the most important one, perhaps for the whole season, possibly, happened in Augsburg. Huh. Because Leverkusen, who were short uh, of quite a few players, uh, either injured or at the Africa Cup of Nations, they toiled and struggled on an icy pitch against uh, an awkward team and it's nil-nil and you think, okay, this is the kind of result where things might begin to unravel. But Ezekiel Palacios found a 94th-minute winner. Kommt der Ball zurück auf Florian Wirtz, quergelegt auf Jonas Hofmann. Hofmann auf Grimaldo, Flachpass! Und Tor! Und Tor! Und Tor! Und Tor! Und Tor! Ezekiel Palacios! Ezekiel Palacios! They were celebrating like, like mad, like winning the league almost. Mm. Um, but it felt, it felt big because the narrative in Germany is is already written about Leverkusen being bottlers, about running out of steam, they, because of their historic failures in the past to win the Bundesliga. So for them to actually turn that narrative on its head and win and show the belief and the confidence, the character to keep pushing, keep pushing and finding a winner the way that perhaps Bayern usually do late on, I think has perhaps frightened one or two people. Never say never cousin again. No, yeah. Mm. Um, they're in a fantastic position. 45 points, James, mm. from 17 games. That's really incredible. And 91 is the record that Bayern once managed. So they are nearly on course for a record breaking season. Incredible. Very nice. Alvaro, your moment of the week. There are many in Spain this weekend, but my favorite one, and we're going to make amendments for last week, because I remember that we were talking about a very bad Panenka penalty. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. In French Cup, yeah. Yeah, in French Cup, yeah. We're going to talk about a very special penalty. Okay. Uh, it's by Lucas Ocampos. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen a no-look penalty, Ooh. but Lucas Ocampos did that the other day. Sevilla lost. Mm, Sevilla is next to relegation, but the technical move of Lucas Ocampos. I think that he deserves some praise. It deserves to be the moment of the weekend for where me. Where did he look? He looked at his right, uh -huh. uh, which is where the linesman is, basically, yeah. but I don't know who did he look at. Maybe he just didn't look at anybody else. Uh -huh. He just did that gesture, but it looks unbelievable. And uh, the TV angle was sensational as well because uh, you could see the goal, you could see Ocampos from his back taking the penalty. And when I watched that, I was like, did I see this? Did it really happen? And I had to watch the replays a couple of times just to believe it completely. But wow. yes, I've never seen this, and I wonder if there will be some repetitions of this, mm. iterations of this uh, in football from now on, because, you know, it looks very cool. And you have to make it 2-2, right? So it was an important yeah. goal, although they mm. then conceded in the yeah. time to lose, still lose. But at that time when he scored, it, it, it meant a lot. Yeah. Severe with as many wins this season in all competitions as they've had managers. So well done. <laughs> so there. Uh, right. Uh, Jules, what about your moment of the weekend? There Saturday, were many in France this There weekend. were many, of course. Yeah. Uh, obviously coming back from an NBA week for me. So that could be my highlight of the, of the weekend. So you went to the NBA in Paris? I did, yeah. Mm. and I did. What the was coverage. the highlight of that for you? Uh, oh, I was to be on the coverage of TNT here in the UK. Wow, nice. Not, none of you because watched it but it's okay it's fine uh, <laughs> I watched you in a chiringuito you said yeah, ago, ah, so that's true, I, that's I've true. done my part that's very true yeah. it was amazing to, to do the some punditry outside of football that we, we usually mm. do that, that you know comes kind of um, 
more natural to us, but mm. to do the analysis on an NBA game was in Paris as well, was, was pretty cool. So okay. that was it. But my moment of the weekend, football-wise, is obviously Reims going to Monaco and win. Not yeah. just win against Adi Hutter and his team, but just destroying them despite a lot of players out for Reims at either AFCON or the Asian Cup. And they were magnificent. So Will Steele, who is listening to the show, yeah, well done to you, brother. And then at the end, uh, Teddy Thomas is number 10. Mm. Uh, very kindly taking the mic a little bit by uh, uh, doing an impression of how Will still talks, you know, when he mixes French and English. Oh, yeah. It was, it was really funny, so everybody lost. But they deserved it because it was a very, very good win. And they're sixth. They're only five points behind the Champions League position. So <laughs> lovely goals amazing. as well. Yeah, lovely, lovely goals. You're mm. right. Well worth checking out Reims there, that winner. At Monaco, wasn't At it? At Monaco, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. Good. Excellent. Well, loads loads to talk about. Let's begin by seeing if we can get hold of James Horncastle in an airport lounge in Italy. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Joining us now, live from the departure lounge at Linati Airport, it's James Horncastle. All right, James? Jimbo. Yeah. Good to be with you. Yeah, indeed. Wow, what a day, eh? Is, is Jose there in the departure lounge with you? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I'm not in Fiumicino's uh, departure lounge down in Rome. Mm. I'm up here in Milan. But uh, yeah, he will be uh, packing his bags and departing, right. emptying his uh, emptying his office. And remember, James, he was flown in personally uh, by Roma's owner, uh, Dan Friedkin, two and a half years ago. Wonder if Dan Friedkin will fly him back. We'll have to see. Well, we, we certainly will. How shocked were you at the news, James, and what made it come uh, this Tuesday morning? So I was shocked because they have been unconditional in their support of him, I would say. Um, if you think back over the last two and a half years, um, some of the moments of ignominy, you know, like losing 6-1 to Bodo Glimt, things like that, really, not qualifying for the Champions League uh, every year. But, you know, he delivered a Conference League title, uh, which was Roma's first trophy in uh, 14 years. People turned their noses up at that. But it was a trophy, and that's all Roma fans wanted, and it's all that mattered to them. Reached the Europa League final uh, last year, and this made Mourinho incredibly popular with Roma's fans. You know, I think he replaced the vacuum uh, left by Francesco Totti. Um, and so I think it was going to be a very hard decision for them to, to not extend Mourinho's contract even though results in the league, the worst results in more than 20 years, um, which suggests that was the rational thing to do, sack him. And so it's a courageous decision. So that's that's why I'm a bit I'm surprised that given his popularity among the fan base, they've done it. But I'm not surprised on the grounds of the kind of results that they've been getting that they've done it. OK, some signs, especially in the last week, though, that that fan base was beginning to turn. Yeah, and not surprisingly, because, James, they lost... In the Coppa Italia, they went out and they went out to Lazio uh, as well. And yeah, Jose has played Lazio six times. He's lost four of them, drawn one and only won one. Um, and so, you know, that is something that often Roma fans will judge their season on. You know, it's been okay when they've been winning a trophy or reaching European finals uh, while Lazio have been finishing above them in the league. But to lose in the manner that they did against Lazio... And for Lazio also to win at the weekend, which that game happened before Roma played Milan at San Siro. And just being around 
um, the team in Milan at that time, you could really feel that there was a lot of pressure um, going into that game, knowing that Lazio have all, all of a sudden started to win five games in a row. And yeah, you mentioned the fans, James. I mean, they'd been unconditional in their backing until really this week. And then there was a banner outside the training ground in Trigoria, which says, um, better to die with dignity um, than live in humiliation. Mm. I think that was it. Okay. Um, and, um, and yeah, so quite strong. Strong words there. Strong indeed. Are you sat next to the buffet area there at the, uh, at the VIP lounge? <laughs> It, it is to it is to my right, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, nice. can you hear the clinking? No, not at all. Yeah. We can how, hear the cutlery. How would you how would you rate then? As you mentioned, back to back European finals. Although there will be those who say they, they shouldn't have been in those competitions anyway. The idea was Champions League. Um, His lowest. Uh, do you remember I told you before James came mm-hmm. in the the lowest uh, win percentage in yeah. Mourinho's career? Absolutely. Only one point seven one point seven point per game. Right. They have brought through, he has brought through young players. He has filled the Stadio Olimpico in a way that I can't remember seeing for a long, long time. But then again, you've got games like Bodo Glam. You've got moments, if we're going to talk about the really dark times, all the red cards that he's picked up, his fifth that prevented him from uh, managing this weekend in the game against Milan. Are Roma better off without him? I think so. Um, I don't think they, all of the fans see it that way. I think they're still... Uh, they still can't believe that their team was coached by Jose Mourinho for two and a half years and that they were able to attract the likes of Lukaku and Paolo Dybala um, to the club in that time. But yes, I think they've been allowed to be mediocre in the league. Um, They should be qualified for Champions League or at least making a better fist of qualifying for it than they have done uh, recently. And I think financially for the club, uh, not qualifying has been very, very tough, particularly when you're paying... Mourinho's wages, you're paying Lukaku's salary, you're paying Dybala's salary as well. Financial fair play, um, yeah, they're they're in a very tight situation because of how they've they've run the club in the last uh, three or four years. So, yes, I do think um, it was right. I think they should have separated already last summer. Mm. And who do you think will be taking over? Well, it looks on a caretaker basis that it will be uh, Daniele De Rossi. Um, Daniele De Rossi. The the ah, so his people have... Exactly. So his people have been talking to the club um, over the last 24 hours. I think that's it will be a very popular decision with fans because um, he's gone from Er Capitano Futuro, the future captain who was supposed to take over the armband from Totti to uh, Er Allenatore Futuro, or Presente, uh, by the time this... Um, this podcast drops, but the thing is, it's a, as with Mourinho, it's a very popular decision. Whether it's the right decision, I don't know. Whether, for example, let's see if De Rossi does well, they'll probably be forced to take an interim appointment into a permanent appointment. They don't have a sporting director from February at the moment. Thiago Pinto is going to leave. So, you know, on the one hand, it will keep the fans on side, but it might just it might just be another emotional decision that that puts them in some difficulty going into the summer transfer window and next season. All right. Well, we look forward to finding out more. James, have a safe journey home and we'll catch up with you next week. Cheers, guys. James Horncastle by the buffet at Lenati yeah. Airport. One natural Italian... habitat. <laughs> yes. Indeed so. Indeed so. And a man who's going to have a lot on his plate now because he'll be writing about that for 
The Athletic, of course, all the backstory, all the thoughts going forward about what this means for Roma as they wake up from what the Gazeta de la Sport described as uh, their kind of... They got drunk, Roma did, on Mourinho, and now they're having the hangover. What yep. What do you think happens next for Jose, though? This, this Tuesday, there's going to be loads of supporters across the UK and beyond, especially those with short memories, going, oh, Jose's available. I wonder what it would be like if Who he was to take that? over. Nobody would I do bet that. a lot of Newcastle fans. Chelsea? Might really? Why? Chelsea? No, uh, maybe some... Man, you know, I don't know. He's I, I am done. Pretty, but yeah, He's done. Okay, what... Do you think whatever that's true or not, I'm mm. pretty sure that whenever he gets unveiled as the new manager of the yeah. club, there will be a hype around him, for sure. But there is one reality that Jose Mourinho and his defendants have to face. He hasn't qualified the team for the Champions League since 2018. Mm. And this is very important because Roma sacked him basically because he, he was not going to meet the financial, um, you know, Necessities. Necessities mm. that the club needs by qualifying for the Champions League. And he hasn't done that for five and a half years now. It's not out of the question. They're five points yeah. off the top four, but the kind of trajectory they're on, yeah, I guess the club felt we need to do it now yeah. while it's still a possibility. Do you think the name Mourinho is still going to carry cachet? Can you think of any clubs that might no, go for him? Five leagues. Is it Turkey for Jose? Turkey or Saudi Arabia or a national team. But Brazil have just appointed somebody because yeah. it would have... Brazil would have been very interesting to him, and I'm sure they would have been keen on him. Um, they've appointed last week Dorival Jr., so I don't know if that could be finished already and then for Mourinho to come in. He's turning 61 at the end of the month. He's really not any special anymore. I just, I just don't, I don't know who would want to give him a job like of this calibre, of the Roma calibre, for example. I mean, in the last two, year, two and a half years, have you seen a good Roma performance collectively? Have you enjoyed watching them? They've played terrible football. They have the third highest wage bill in the whole of Serie A. And they can't even, like Alvaro said, qualify for the, for the Champions League. I just think he's been a disaster. Apart from the, the, the Conference League triumph, OK, fair enough. But apart from that, he hasn't mm. been good enough. The thing is... Um International football is about knockout competitions mm. and uh, ties. And I think that Jose Mourinho has still proven that he knows how to prepare a team for, a, for an individual uh, knockout against any club. Mm. And uh, he did it in the conference, he did it in the Europa League last season. It was a penalty shootout what separated Sevilla from Roma. So I think he, he may have a future in interna international future, for, for sure. But when it comes to the league and when it comes to the point tally that Jules has explained, I mean, with a point tally of 1.6, 1.7 at Roma, you're not going to qualify for the Champions League. And Jose Mourinho's habitat was supposed to be the Champions League. And it hasn't been for a long time now. And the thing is that the day-to-day -day counts a lot to qualify for the Champions League. And it looks like Jose Mourinho... He's not capable of uh, getting good runs as uh, he did in the past with Real Madrid, with Chelsea or, you know, with Porto. I think he can bring glory to Al Etifak. <laughs> <laughs> Replace Gerard. Uh, no, he's talked about coming to Saudi Arabia at mm, one point. Anyway. Now that might uh, speed up his plans a little bit. All right. Well, that's for the future. Up next for us today, we're going to be talking about Spain. For most of us, January means New Year's resolutions. But for the footballing world, January means one thing. Transfers. 
There's a lot going on, and to stay on top of every move that matters, you need the Athletic Football Podcast. They were prioritising somebody like Mason Mount. Five days a week, we'll help you cut through the noise with the most reliable reporters in the industry. David Ornstein, Adam Crafton, Laurie Whitwell, and many more will not only tell you what the deal is, but how it happened too. So make sure you don't miss a single transfer beat in January with the Athletic Football Podcast. Listen for free wherever you get your shows and hit follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Ahí va Vini, pierna derecha Vini, toma carrera, maga Vini, chuta Vini, gol! Y gol, 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 gol! Patrick de Vinicius! Real winning the Spanish Super Cup after a week. Alvaro Romeo that sent out a bit of a warning, I would say, to teams not just in in La Liga but across Europe. Two enormous performances from Carlo Ancelotti's side. First off, that semi-final derby with Atletico. Atletico. Spectacular. A great game. 5-3. 3 all after 90 minutes with uh, terrific performances at both ends because Antoine Griezmann's goal cannot be forgotten either. I mean, it was beautiful too. Uh, But Real Madrid came out as a winner because uh, they have done it many times and this time uh, they showed their character again. Um, In the semi-final, they did it. um, It was like a fight uh, with no gloves by two boxers, really. I mean, they went full at it. Uh, Defences didn't uh, dominate the game. It was uh, the attacks and the attackers. And in the final against Barcelona, Real Madrid uh, came as a strong favourite. But uh, we all know that uh, whatever the context doesn't matter that much in El Clásico because I remember, for example, Barcelona beating Real Madrid 4-0 a couple of years ago at Santiago Bernabéu when Real Madrid won both La Liga and the Champions League. But this time, Real Madrid knew that they were the favourites. They were helped by Barcelona's and Xavi's in particular uh, game plan because Barcelona had a really, really high line defence and Real Madrid capitalised. By the 10th minute, they were winning 2-0, 4-0, 4-1 at the end, with Vinicius scoring a hat-trick, one of the best performances of Vinicius, uh, not only this season, because he's been uh, injured for most of it, but also in his career. And uh, before this, he had never scored more than uh, three goals against Barcelona, I believe, and he scored three in a game. So this is a game that um, obviously showcases how strong Real Madrid can be. Mm. Uh, they've got everything, in my opinion. Uh, even they've got uh, a number nine who is not a top striker, but still he offers the profile of a number nine. Four players who are on course to score 20 goals or more this season, which mm. is what big teams have. A good defense despite the absences of Militao and David Alaba. David Alaba and Militao are not likely to play this season, especially uh, either Militao. The goalkeeper is not there. Lunin 
is doing good performances, he's playing well, he pl didn't play the semi-final, but he did play the final. And I think that, uh, you know, it's a very, very uh, hard defeat to accept for Barcelona. Yeah. You talk about the kind of one-dimensionality of, of, of Xavi's uh, approach. What about Ancelotti? How much of the success that they're having at the moment is down to him? And how much is it the fact that they've got a team with Bellingham and with the amazing Vinny Jr.? Well, I think that, uh, number one, Real Madrid's um, squad planning has been really good over the years. So this is... Uh, Something that we have to give to Real Madrid and to their scouters and to, uh, you know, as we call it in Spain, the filosofía deportiva. But uh, then, uh, when it comes to Ancelotti, you have to give him the praise, the praise as well because uh, he has used uh, Jude Bellingham in different positions this season. Uh, he was neither at the beginning of the season as a number 10. He has played uh, in more deep positions as the season went by because, you know, Real Madrid had many players in, um, injured. Uh, then Vinicius is not uh, a winger, winger this season, for example. Benzema left. Vinicius is uh, playing more in central channels as mm -hmm. well. Uh, he has gotten the best of a player like uh, Fede Valverde. Mm -hmm. And uh, little by little, Chouameni is also becoming very important. Brahim Diaz as well. I enjoyed that fifth goal in the uh, the semi final. Oh, we had yeah. the, the foot race against Oblak. That that's uh, well. Uh, that was a, a very funny race to watch. Actually, it was like a, I don't know how to put it. Like a, you know, in cart if you. If you draw a cartoon of that fight, it would be very, very, very funny because it was a very big man uh, just racing against a really, really fast, short striker. And, uh, you know, Brahim has been one of the good additions of the season. Asensio left, Benzema left, and Jose, Jose Luan Brahim and Arda Guler arrived. And obviously, uh, there was an adaptation for Brahim at the beginning of the season, didn't play much. But he has become the player number 12 this season. And back to Ancelotti, we always talk about uh, how good he is as an uh, administrative guy and uh, his, um, his uh, way of dealing with problems is second to none. He's been working with Berlusconi, with Florentino, he's been at Chelsea, you know, big clubs, uh, Paris Saint-Germain. But uh, the good thing about Carlo Ancelotti is that even when Real Madrid wasn't well, there was never any questioning about him because he dismisses the problems very well in the press conference. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti does about 100 press conferences a season and he's never... He always knows how to defend himself, how to send the right message for the club. Last season, a year ago, Real Madrid lost the Super Cup to Barcelona. Uh, they weren't in the title race by April, and they lost 4-0 in a Champions League semi-final. And there were never doubts about Carlo Ancelotti staying in the club. Compare that to Xavi, back to Xavi. He has lost the Super Cup this year. 4-1 uh, in the final against Real Madrid. Real Madrid lost the final last year as well in the Super Cup. Xavi has lost it. But his message is not convincing. Uh, you can really tell that his message is contradictory in the press conferences as well. Sometimes um, he looks like a man who has too much to deal with. Ancelotti never looks like this. And I think that that's also some, a big part of Ancelotti. He knows how to do these things. Even when the club is in a small sporting crisis, he knows how to defend it and he knows how to send the right message across. Xavi, for example, cannot do that. That's why today, uh, on Tuesday, Xavi is under heavy questioning and Ancelotti last year was not. And let's don't forget that Xavi, five months ago or six months ago, he won the Spanish title. Mm. Ha, it's a bit harsh, though, to compare considering Xavi has been, yeah. certainly as a European manager. I know yeah. he, he managed in, in Qatar before and he's a much younger, obviously. Uh, you would expect that maybe Carlo had the same age as Xavi in a similar position. Oh, yeah, yeah Carlo's you know, early, early years at Parma were Yeah. When, or Regina even before that, yeah. Sorry, Regina, Regina. <laughs> uh, yes, all right. Was Xavi calling it Barcelona's worst game? He's under pressure now. Some, 
some I think real prospect that, that Barcelona might be looking to make a change? The thing is that there is no clear candidate that mm. you will say, all right, he's going to come back or Barcelona are going to appoint this man and this man is going to steer the ship in the, okay. in the right direction because uh, one of the candidates is Rafa Márquez, who is with Barcelona B, the second team of Barcelona. Rafa Márquez, does he have the credentials to be Barcelona, Barcelona's manager? Or to be the savior of the team, obviously not yet. Last time they got a manager from their B, from their B team worked out pretty well. <laughs> it worked very well. Yeah. But it was hmm. Pep Guardiola. And, yep. you know, Pep Guardiola has been always an ideologist, even when he was a player. Yeah. I don't know if Rafa Market was that man, but very quickly, we shouldn't remove from this equation and from, from this conversation Barcelona's financial struggles. I mean, if you want to play big and you want to go for a big manager, number one, you have to sack Xavi, who extended his contract back in November or October. And number two, you have to pay big bucks for another manager. Yeah. And uh, who is available? Number Jose one. Jose Mourinho. Hey, <laughs> He's available. Back he, at the club. He, he Back at the club. He worked for Barcelona. Yeah, that's true. But he, he will never be the man. Uh, and uh, you have to pay big. And I don't think Barcelona is capable of paying big salaries right now. Okay. That's the big thing. All right, Avro. I want to move you on to a little game that I don't know if you saw, but there was a Bass Derby this weekend. Yeah. High-flying Real Sociedad had their wings clipped by Athletic Club de Bilbao. They haven't flew high for yeah. a long time. Though. Have they not? No. All they right. haven't. <laughs> well, it, they... But they are where they want to be, Yeah. right? I mean, in the Champions League last 16 against your lot, yeah. be careful. Yeah. And, um, in Although point, when I watched them play on at the weekend, they didn't scare me. No, no, they, they weren't because uh, we um, suppressed them. Though. We suppressed yeah. them, yeah. Uh, you were so um, good. Uh, let's put it that way. Iñaki Williams is in Africa, playing the AFCON. Mm. And... Um, in Nico, is not, Nico is not, and Nico is still terrifying defenses with his runs. Uh, then Berenguer has stepped up, he escorted Brace against uh, Real Sociedad. And, um, you know, we beat, beat them in a style. I would say that uh, the team has navigated very well through a couple of key injuries and a couple of uh, key departures. One of them, Inigo Martinez, especially, who is at Barcelona. But the defense looks kind of solid. We are scoring so many goals, almost as many as Girona and Real Madrid, which is mm. incredible, really. And um, I think that uh, this is... Uh, a moment in which Athletic Club Bilbao can genuinely believe that they can qualify for the Champions League. You're up to third. Yeah. Up to third. And the last time we qualified for the Champions League, it was Ernesto Valverde, our coach as well, so he knows how to do this. We are not involved in European competition, as some other clubs. Then uh, footballers like Yuri Berchice, who is uh, our best left-back and another attacker in many ways, uh, has recovered his best form. And the youth of the squad and the energy of the squad is uh, something that uh, some teams uh, are not able to tackle. I remember Atletico de Madrid going at Bilbao and being outpaced and outmuscled, which uh, is something that normally you don't do with Atletico de Madrid. Mm. If we don't have any key injuries, because there are two or three players that are absolutely irreplaceable, Nico Williams or Jan Sanzet, obviously the goalkeeper Unai Simón, then I think that we have a good chance of uh, being there in the mix uh, for the Champions League race, probably uh, until the very end. OK, well, level on points with Barcelona, but ahead on what? Goal difference. You're in third place above the, the Catalans, only three points above Atletico Madrid, who you've kind of pushed out into fifth spot of late. At the top of the table, Girona, who you mentioned all the goals they're scoring, they didn't get any this weekend. They were playing the only team in Europe's <laughs> top five leagues yet to win a football match. That's... Uh, Almeria, uh, and they ended up drawing nil-nil. Crikey. 
Best they attacking. Should have lost as well. They should were have lost. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. had two yeah. shots. I think the whole game were three shots. Uh, uh, they're, two po- they're one point ahead of Real Madrid, still at the top. But Real have a game in hand, having yeah. of course missed this weekend's action because they were in Riyadh. Exactly. Uh, they are topping the table, but the weekend was very disappointing for them. Mm. And uh, Jussi is right. Almeria had all the chances. Mm. The thing is that, uh, as Gais Cagaritano, the manager of Almeria, said after the game, uh, they've been playing without a proper number nine for three months because they had injuries. And now uh, the club doesn't know whether to go to the market and find the number nine. Because, number one, which number nine is going to sign for you if the next season you're going to be in the second division? And number two, why should Almeria invest on a season that is pretty much gone? Indeed. But, uh, you know, they miss many chances. Almeria should have won that game. And uh, it's probably also a, an alert bell uh, for uh, Girona as well. If they don't play 100% as they did on the other day, and if they don't uh, go at it in a game that is winnable, then they are not like Real Madrid. They are not like a big side that they can rely on a couple of moments of brilliance mm. just to win a football game. Alrighty. Excellent. Alvaro, thank you so much for that. Just a bit of love for Antoine Griezmann. A lot, yeah, absolutely. A bit more because yeah, we, we, now he's the, the all-time goal scorer. Oh, he moved past. Yeah, yes. moved past with Aragones. And I think that was very special, even yeah. if they lost that semi-final. Yeah. But that 174th goal for wow. the club was very special for, and how much, how, how much he loves that club as well. I think mm. it meant a lot to him. Very nice, Jules. Mm. Very nice. By the way, keep an eye on Valencia, guys. Uh, maybe we'll talk about them uh, in the following Three week. straight wins. They're yeah. up to eight. And they've got many Spanish under-21 internationals. Mm. And they are an attacking side. All right. And for the first time in a long time, yeah. we're not talking about the manager mm. saying, if you don't invest money, I'm leaving. Baraja yeah. is a clubman. He's going to accept anything. And perhaps this season, Valencia is a capable team of qualifying for the Conference League. I would like to see that. Okay. Well, we'll see next week if they can make it four wins out of four. They are going to be at home to your friend's athletic club to Bilbao. So, huge match. No doubt we're going to be talking about that next Tuesday, Avaral. Next up, a bit of word on the Eredivisie and then, boom, the Bundesliga. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Football Content Awards International Podcast of the Year. Okay, 
geraakt. Daar is Romaljo. Oh, dat is een assist van Romaljo. Zonder dat het de bedoeling was. En het is een hat-trick voor Luc de Jong. Why Eredivisie, James? Well, uh, PSV got their 17th win of the league season uh, on Saturday night. That was against Excelsior. They played 17 games. They won all of them. That equals the Eredivisie record for the best ever winning run, which they set themselves actually way back in 87-88 when they went on to win the treble. European yeah. champions that I mean, season. They won the European Cup, if you remember, yeah. on penalties in mm. the final, in the semi-final, in the quarterfinal. But it still counts. Still. It was amazing. But they scored 59 goals in those 17 games and considered seven. It's just, I don't think any team, even not their team in yeah. 87 88, has ever dominated the league like this. So what does that say to you, given when they go into the Champions League, it doesn't work out like that at all? Well, no, only Arsenal have, have beaten them this season in the Champions League group stage. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, so the, the only, their only defeat all season is against that Arsenal at the Emirates, where I think... And we, I remember on the gold show we were saying that I think they kind of went at it too much and they got right. battered in that first half. Especially. There are those shows, I don't know if any of them are here in this room, <laughs> who mock Peter Bosch. Two, uh, certainly two or four in this room. Yeah. Right, okay. Who Club mock Peter night. Bosch, but he seems to know what he's doing all right there. 17 wins out of 17. Uh, yeah, I would say as well. And I don't want to diss him because this is a great record and I don't want to prove Rafa and I right. Right. This is... Not a really good area to visit right now. Ajax yeah. are not good. Yeah. You know, they're certainly not as good as they were in the last two seasons. Mm -hmm. As a a good team, but again. So, no, it's still amazing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the level of the league, I think this season certainly is not as strong as it has been in the past. Okay. Well, PSV are going to be at Utrecht on Sunday night. Looking to see if they can make it, well, 18 out of 18, which would set a new record for football in the Netherlands. Rafa, let's talk about Germany. Yes. Bundesliga returned this weekend. Yes. We're Jane, back, baby. Finally. <laughs> Jane Sancho back and like he'd never been away. I mean, he was remarkably sharp. I thought that uh, he might come with a bit of... Uh, Baggage, mm. both figuratively and he doesn't physically. like to carry baggage, I don't think. Yes, but uh, you know, when you don't play for four months, mm. um, sometimes you're not quite at the right fitness level. But he looked very, very up for it. He was tracking back, he was sprinting, he moved very freely, and he came on before the hour mark and had a really good impact, of course, especially when he set up. The goal for Marco Royce, who was also um, a substitute. But yeah, Dortmund, I think, apart from winning 3-0, which was, of course, a very good result against the worst team in the, in the league, Darmstadt, uh, feel really optimistic all of a sudden that he can be mm. a big factor for the second half of the season for them. Yeah, he was smiling again, but it was noticeable how they all seemed to be delighted to have him back as well. Marco Royce, the way he celebrated that goal with a... A warm embrace. It was quite quite touching. He'd come on, Sancho, for Jamie Bino Gittens, who'd had a big role in the opening goal. Yeah, Bino Gittens made that goal. He picked up the ball really deep in the Borussia half or, or certainly near the halfway line and then skipped past two players and then set up. Uh, Julian Brandt, who made a great run across uh, the defenders. They made that classic run. Him and I think Daniel Marlin, where one goes one way, one goes the other. They sort of cross each other's path and tore that... Darmstadt defense two ways 
And uh, slightly scuffed, but at the end, very effective finish for Milan Brandt. Gave them the lead. And Dortmund were shaky mm. in the first half an hour. All the problems that we talked about uh, came to the fore again. Their build-up play is pretty lousy. Their passing is ropey. They don't really have that much of a presence. Niklas Füllkrug was not really a factor. But they have individual players who can just turn it on. And Bayern Gittens for the first goal. Royce and Schantz. Royce and Sancho for the second, Mukoko for the third. What a goal, eh? What a goal. Lovely yeah. finish. Yeah. Um, I still think that there are issues there. And the biggest one of all, perhaps, is uh, Niki Zula, because he is supposed to be such a key player. And even though Mats Hummels was injured, Emre Chan, the midfielder, was preferred to him at the heart of the Dortmund defence because Zula came back from the Christmas holidays, unlike... Jaden Sancho in really bad shape <laughs> really looked really? very very sluggish throughout the Marbella training camp and it's just in no position to start a game at the moment and for somebody who wants to be at the Euros it's not good enough and the club I think increasingly are put, sort of putting public pressure on him and this was very much a warning shot um, with Chan being preferred to him that he really needs to start Na, improving na, very, very quickly. Now that Sancho is in, if you were the coach, if you were Terzic, what, what would be the front line that you would pick or what, which one do you think he would pick? If everybody's fit, let's say. I think Sancho one? will start. I think Sancho will start. So Sancho on the left. Um, well, in the game, he changed positions. The goal came from the right. Mm-hmm. Mostly played on the left, but he, him and, uh, and Marlon uh, kept changing positions. I think Sancho has to play. I think Brunt has to play. That makes it difficult for Royce, unless you put Brunt on the left and Royce through the middle. But in terms of the names, that's probably your strongest lineup at the moment. Um, you're missing a little bit of pace. If that's the setup, maybe away from home, you hope that Adeyemi is fit again, or you prefer Banu Gittens or Marlon for a more direct approach. But I think just the fact that you have him available now, he will make everyone better. And, and create space and if he can keep that level it's going to look like an absolute inspired piece of business for Dortmund Absolutely What happens at the end of the season Rafa? Nothing he's going he's going to go back home I mean the thing is He says this is his home though Yeah it's true his football home maybe the problem is that if he does really well Dortmund will not be able to keep him because both the wages and the existing value that's going to come up again are going to make it effectively impossible for 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 them to buy him unless united are prepared to take a huge cut and he and it's i think very unlikely why would they but either of them if he doesn't do well then maybe united say let's cut our losses but even that is a very unrealistic scenario and even then why would dortmund then sure pay a lot of money for a player who hasn't done well yeah. so mm. they're all saying it's very unrealistic that he that he will stay unless something dramatic happens. I think it's much more likely that he'll go back and play for United, perhaps under a different manager next perhaps. year. Perhaps. That's the thing, that the story can take a, a different turn if the Manchester United gets a new manager. And in the press conference, he says, you know what? Jadon Sancho is in my plans and mm. he's going to be pivotal in this project. I mean, that's a possibility. We have seen things like this happen. We certainly have. All right, well... Dortmund for now are fifth. They're only three points behind Leipzig and four behind Stuttgart in fourth and third, respectively, after those two teams both lost uh, this weekend. Top two winning, 
As you mentioned earlier, Bayer Leverkusen leaving it late in their game with Augsburg, but Bayern comfortable enough in their clash with Hoffenheim 3 0? Yeah, they had one or two shaky moments where Manuel Neuer had to make some some big saves, but yeah, overall, I think they were reasonably comfortable. Thomas Tuchel quite happy with the performance. Two fine goals from Uziala and, of course, the inevitable Harry Kane doing his bit to make Robert Lewandowski, I think, increasingly nervous that his uh, Bundesliga, all-time Bundesliga record might fall for so goals. Kane's on 22 and the record is 41. 41. But Bayern have only played 16 games. <gasps> so 22 and 16 is, is pretty oh, good. And... I think anyone who had seen Bayern this year would probably agree that they actually haven't played all that well, especially going forward. And I think there is another level for them to go to. And if they reach that, if they start winning games 5-0, 6-0, as the Pep Guardiola Bayern uh, used to do, a uh, few results like that under Hansi Flick as well, then Kane might find it even easier to, uh, to break that record. So, yeah. It's um, shaping up to be an interesting season. This week, James, a mm. little bit like me, they're in warm weather. Uh, they have a warm weather training break. Nice, nice. In Faro. Okay, in Portugal. Will you going, going along? Well? No, For I'm not work? going. There's, oh, unfortunately, there's no, there's no <laughs> press activities planned. Ah, okay. The emphasis is very much on team building and <laughs> tactics. Mm. Um, took a little bit annoyed because the whole area, the campus, is is readily accessible. So all the journalists are standing there filming every training, watching everything, and you can't hide. You don't have those big sort of uh, curtains that I you can put up yeah, uh, as you do at Zevener Straße. But still, um, I think there are worse places to be, especially if you're considering that in Munich it's been minus 15. Minus 15. Um, in recent days. So, yeah, they're in decent shape, I would say. Minus 15, like Dortmund from, the, from Leverkusen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, indeed, James. All right. Um, Leverkusen, the, hmm? Leverkusen going to Leipzig next week. That's a massive game. Yeah. And increasingly people are saying, well, I don't know how many people are saying it, but Dimitar Berbatov was saying it when I spoke to him briefly at Old Trafford on Sunday, okay. that he thinks Leverkusen can go unbeaten, which is Whoa. something that's never been done. Never been done. In the Bundesliga. Mm. Also, on the subject of Dortmund, you were talking to perhaps the most powerful man in German football. I think he is. Hans-Joachim Watzke is uh, on the uh, UEFA Exco. He's the vice chairman of the, the league. He's the vice chairman of the FA. And he's the chief executive for Borussia Dortmund. So mm. I don't think you can get any more uh, important powerful. roles. And right. I was talking to him about all these big subjects, you know, the Club World Cup, uh, the new Champions League format, the investment in the Bundesliga, 50 plus one rule, can it stay, what do Germans want? And uh, I thought he was very straightforward and very yeah, insightful. So okay. you're a big fan, I know. I'm a big fan. You would so have I'll already read, read it. And I'll he's reading soon as well, so that's yeah. probably one of the yeah, he's big stepping, interviews. He's stepping down. Mm. Um, he announced his, his stepping down in autumn of next year, 2025, right. during the training camp with Mabea a couple okay. of days after the interview but I think he still will be in the club maybe become the new president mm. um, a bit like um, Uri Hoeneß has done and, and, and others so I don't think he'll be he'll be really gone alright that interview is available right now at theathletic.com Rafa before we leave the subject of German football some breaking news that you've just received yeah really sad news uh, Kai Bernstein the president of Hertha BSC, 
passed away, only 43, very sudden. He was the first so former ultra to become president of a big Bundesliga side. Now, of course, in Division Two, but yeah, it's a real, a real shock. Had to have not released any more details, um, asking for the privacy of the family to be respected, but very unexpected and very sad. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Di fronte a sé un avversario, il colpo di tacco di giro ancora per Hernandez, sinistro, rete splendida di Hernandez che chiude la partita con un fendente sotto la traversa. Did you watch Milan's 3-1 win over Roma? Because of course you're connazionale. Yeah. It was a French party, wasn't it? Yeah. So good. Three French goal scorers for Milan. Yeah. Yassin Adli, yeah. Olivier Giroud. Giroud, of course. And then how about that uh, third oh, goal from Theo Hernandez? The one-two between Theo and Giroud, the back heel assist mm. from Giroud, and then the finish as well. It was great. I mean, I don't think that Milan had to play particularly well because I thought Roma were dreadful, mm. to be honest. And we know that when Dybala is not there, they lack a lot of creativity anyway. Described in La Gazzetta as, as both Roma's carriage and their pumpkin. Yeah, nice <laughs> very good. Yeah. Very good. Mm. But anyway, yeah, so Roma not much cop. Milan, nope. though, back in form now. That's now four wins in five in all competitions. They've scored 12 goals in those four uh, victories, across those five games, actually, and, and uh, only conceded five, which we remember how they were struggling to score. Yeah. And Benacea is, is at uh, Afghan with Algeria, for example, so Very he's, good not, point. Yep. he's not there. There was a lovely uh, nutmeg from Pulisic on Pellegrini that mm. I really, really loved. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out. Yeah, it's just all good. And again, I think... We need to highlight the, the really poor level of this Roma side. But still for Milan, and Pioli was very happy and rightly so after the game. Yeah, absolutely. There are ways off the top of the table where it is still uh, Inter, their neighbours, and Juve who are battling it out. Currently five points between the two, but that's because Juve haven't played their game this round yet. That's going to be happening uh, this evening when they're up against Sassuolo Tuesday night. Uh, Inter at the weekend going to Monza uh, just down the road and beating them 5-1, a brace for Lautaro Martinez, and also for Hakan Chalanoglu, first mm. time in Italy that he's managed to get two goals. Super, uh, oh, Super Coppa, in fact, because this midweek we've got Thursday, Napoli against Fiorentina, yeah. away in Saudi Arabia. You recall they weren't sure of the Saudis if they could find, find room for the... Uh, Italian Super Cup players, Look, but I, they did. A good thing is that uh, there will be no minute of silence for Franz Beckenbauer anymore because uh, I found it, I'm sorry to talk about this now, but mm-hmm. they're so classless that uh, the supporters in Saudi Arabia booed the minute of silence did for they? Franz Beckenbauer. Yeah, yeah for a nice. dead man, it was really classless. It wasn't even a minute of silence because no. they played some music, no? Yeah, well, that, that minute of tribute. What did they go for? What kind of music did they play? It's an awesome kind of... Sad music, yeah. yeah. Sad jingle, yeah. All right. Oh, well. Yeah, hopefully nothing like hopefully that happens. Uh, won't happen. Okay, so Thursday, it's Napoli against Fiorentina. Napoli, who actually got a win in their derby against Salernitana. Very, very late, though. Hackmanny. Yeah. Uh, and then on Friday, you've got Inter against Lazio. And then the final is on Monday. Why is it Thursday, Friday? I think on Sunday it was booked for the puppet show, the uh, Alawal Stadium. That is crazy. They fitted them in on Monday. And Mauricio Sarri not happy, obviously. Why are we going? Sarri's been in amazing form of late. So (laughs) last week they got the Derby win over Roma, which is one of the reasons, you know, as we heard that Moo's out on his ear. 
Uh, Sari responding to that, I could not have cared less about qualifying for the next round of the Coppa Italia, but you need to win the derby for your people. That's nice. (laughs) And then he's asked about the Super Cup. He said, uh, it's take the money and run. It's anything but sport. (laughs) I mean, I love it. To be fair, we all want, we really all want an Inter-Fiorentina final because seeing the form of Napoli right now and Mm. Lazio, that's not going to be fun. Fiorentina play really good football, even if, at the weekend, they struggled a little bit. I only got a draw and Inter are Inter. So I would love an Inter-Fiorentina final on Monday. OK. Shout out to our friend Claudio Ranieri and his Cagliari side. He's really turning things around yeah. there in Sardinia. Big win for them this weekend when they defeated a Champions League hopefuls, or at least you know, top four hopefuls, Bologna, 2-1, keeping themselves a point outside of the relegation zone. Super. We'll have much more on City Air. Next week, but right now, I can't wait any longer to talk Ligue 1. Ligue 1, Jules. What do we got here? Try Paris Saint-Germain, a win for them. Come on! That's right. This time. <laughs> that's, this time that's all the analysis. No, because <laughs> lost away is a tough... Yeah. Tough a away team trip. who almost pipped them to the title exactly. last time around. And those those clashes have been coming a bit like Ligue 1, kind mm. of... Barcola. Jules. Epic. Yeah. Quality. Quality dribbling. Yeah. yeah. Since, since I think he watched that... Uh, replay of the gold show after his Newcastle performance right. at the party <laughs> where we destroyed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Bacala has been much better and certainly you're right, Alvaro. He was very good on Sunday night on the left-hand side with Mbappe central and Dembele on the right. Um, he scored the first goal, lovely finish. By the way, I've said many times, even if you're right-footed, when the ball comes from your right-hand side, yes. control it with the inside of your left foot, which he did, and then finish with your right foot like he did. Mm. Any, and then, any young players out there listening to this? Of course. Yep. Oh, wait. Even if you're right-footed and you're tempted to control it with the outside of your right foot, right. if the ball comes from your right... If you're left-footed, comes from your left... Exactly. Control it with your right foot. Right That's foot. what Pep Guardiola okay. says. All right. And then he obviously got Gradit sent off just before the break with a lovely like can slalom and then Gradit fouled him as a last defender, so it was a red card. Mbappe seemed to really enjoy playing as a nine with Dembele and Bacola ahead of so, him. So yeah, that seems new, the fact that he's So six weeks now and Luis Enrique But uh, knew that he's enjoying it. I mean, yeah, kind of that he's enjoying it. you're right. He yeah. touched the ball seventy eight times on Sunday night. Mm. Which for a number nine, mm. even even like him who wants to play wants to be involved a lot in the build the play and all of that is a lot so um, no he seems to be really really enjoying it ok they're 8 points clear now Paris Saint-Germain because both Nice and Monaco lost Brest moving past Monaco into 3rd place after the Monegasques a 3-1 defeat at home to your friend uh, Will Still and Rans yeah. uh, Will Still listening to the show right? yeah, yeah, yeah is he yeah he is yeah, yeah. Okay. and I think he's doing a what did he say? Has he given you any feedback on, no, on Liga no, coverage? No, he said there's, there's a bit too much Serie A coverage and not enough Liga. That's what he said. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> Do you think he actually listens sure. or he was just guessing? <laughs> just guessing. No, but, mm. but they're six in the table, we said, at, in the moment of the weekend. Mm. They're doing really, really well. They host to Nantes uh, next weekend or this weekend coming, uh, which Nantes is struggling uh, under the new manager, Jocelyn Gourvenec. So it's another opportunity for them to try to get closer to... Champions League positions because I think that race the the title is gone mm. for Nice and everybody PSG everybody. win that but then for from second to six it's really really interesting I think so Nice struggled again uh, they were really poor mm. and Mofi uh, played but then obviously went to replace Boniface with Nigeria Monaco as we said without Minamino 
struggling a little bit too. So behind, it's well open for Brest and your, your, friend, your friend Brassier and also for Reims and Will Steel. Amazing. Bra- Brassier was outstanding, by the way, the weekend. Yeah. Brest, yeah. Stood really, out. Really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? He was, he was really, really excellent. Good. No further <laughs> questions, Your Honour. Although, I did notice that Wren do seem to have a bit of an issue with Nemanja Matic. Yeah, very What's much so. There? It's a great story, I think, that, that we haven't really reported. When he signed in the summer, Wren said to him, listen, he's got three children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they needed a place, a school for uh, primary, uh, so uh, secondary school, primary school, and kind of ner- like nursery school. Mm. And they said, yes, we've got this place there. It's great. They've got, uh, they said to him, they've got an, an English... Like um, international school? It's, it's not technically a te- uh, an international school, but they have a a class where English is put forward more. So you've got half half in French, half in English, basically. Okay. Right. He seemed to understand that it was only a full international school where everything was in English. Right. So uh, one of the reasons that he mentioned to want to leave in January mm. was because he said the club lied to me. They told me there was an international school for my kids. My kids, my kids are very important. My family is very important. And it's not international school. To what the club responded saying, well, from the beginning, we told you what it was. We sent you the link for the website of that school for you to go and see. You went to visit the school. So you were very much aware it was not a full international school. He wants to leave. He ran away. He ran away completely. He disappeared. And I think the club were really disappointed because he didn't pick up the phone, didn't say anything. It was really, really... For someone like him, maybe he's not happy in Rennes, which hmm. you, you, you can be. But for someone of his experience and if it's kind of like status, to go like AWOL like this and disappear completely, such a lack of respect, I, I think it's very, very disappointing. Right. Are there any other options in the Rennes area in terms of international schooling? No, he tools? would like to go to Lyon. Would I mean, he? Th- why would you want to swap Rennes for Lyon? Apart from, I mean, I football-wise, mean, makes no sense. Yeah. Then it's a bigger city. I think they have an international school maybe there. Great I'm food. I'm not even sure. Nice great food, food in Rennes is great too. Is it? Yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely. Okay. So I'm not sure. I don't know where he was going to go. To, to, uh, today there's a big meeting mm. with him and the sporting director, the coach and the, the president. So we will know a bit more. But the club don't really want him back to be fair after what he did. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's a good segue quickly on Lyon and okay. our friend um, Stonewise who after three wins in a row we thought, yeah, here we go. And they got absolutely thrashed at Le Havre where Hugo Lloris his brother Gauthier played really well and scored and uh, I think the start of the weekend in all our leagues is that Lyon got two players sent off in this game O'Brien and uh, Doulita Tsar and they made four fouls so out of four fouls they got two red cards which I think uh, must have never been done before. Well, how, what were they sent off? Was it dissent or something like that? No, so uh, O'Brien was uh, like a harsh, like both were harsh tackles. Mm. But when you just make four fouls, how can you get two percent? It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's coming up for Lyon? They are at the weekend. What are they Rennes, maybe? Are they at Rennes? Oh, I hope they are. Rennes. They're at home to Rennes. Yeah. Marseille face Monaco. That's a big game That's down massive, on the south yeah, coast. Yeah. There's a few big games, we said, oh. uh, in all our leagues this yeah. weekend coming. We'll be discussing all of those things next Tuesday when hopefully all of us are going to be here. Yep. And we can have a nice big Totally Football Show European edition. For now, though, listener, that's it. Many, many thanks for your listening skills, which made today's show possible.
and to Rafa and Alvaro and Jules and Rachel and Charlie. Uh, we're back on Thursday with a regular edition of the Totally Packed. You'll join us for that for now. From all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for the Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.